ready to grow your business by building relationships online and offline? Are you looking for a system to attract new prospects and nurture your past clients? Maybe you're a business owner, a sales professional, or an entrepreneur. If you are, then great. Join me, Janice Porter, as we blast past your barriers to success and explore the power of relationships for your business. And welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Relationships Rule Podcast. My name is Janice Porter, and I'm your host, and I'm very excited about my guest this week. Her name is Kelly Sinclair, and Kelly and I just met recently, um, but I'm pretty excited about the work that she does, and I thought that you would be too. So let me tell you, first of all, welcome, Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Janice. You're welcome. And I'm going to tell my audience a little bit about you, and then we'll dig in. So Kelly is as she calls herself, your brand and marketing fairy godmother. She equips passionate entrepreneurs with the magic wand they need to get clear on their message and who they serve so they can attract their dream clients and grow their businesses. In a world where people work on average of one third of their lives, Kelly believes it's so important that work is a source of joy instead of drain. When entrepreneurs run successful businesses, the world is a happier place. And Kelly brings the combination of strategy and magic required to bibbidi-bobbidi-boo your business to the next level. I had to say that because I love that. And I have this amazing um, video or visual still in my mind from how many zillion years ago of the Walt Disney version of Little Gus and the mice doing and the fairy godmother doing the the song as they got her into her uh, Cinderella into her costume. I can't that is so vivid to me, that whole thing. So I digress. Um, Kelly is a corporate PR girl turned entrepreneur. She has taken her big brand experience and brings it to small businesses. She's a national award-winning communications professional, small town girl, mom of two, and president of her local chamber of commerce. Welcome again, Kelly. And I have to go back to, um, something that I read just earlier about you, it is important that work is a source of joy instead of a drain. Let's start there. Tell me your thoughts on that because we, before the recording started, we were talking about this a little bit and I think it's really important um, to my audience to know that piece. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and sometimes we can go through life um, without exploring what our work means to us. But when I read that stat, it stuck with me so much that we've spent a third of our lives working. That's a significant right. amount of time. And if what we're doing is not truly filling us up, fulfilling us, feeling purposeful to us, then it can be very draining, very exhausting, and have a lot of sort of negative emotional and, and, and that, that spills out into all kinds of things, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I do remember very clearly, even though it was a long time ago now, um, that stress and tension and sadness that would come into me every Sunday night when I had to go to a job that I didn't want to go to. And I'm sure many people have that when working for myself has its, you know, ups and downs, and it can be stressful. And, um, has different stresses. I don't have that feeling anymore. I love what I do. So 
it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's so important. And it really is a key kind of component to my story of why I started my business and a few of the things I experienced in my life leading up to that. Um, one of which was becoming a mom, of course. So I had, I have two daughters and I, in between them, I went back to the work that I was doing to the job after a mat leave. I did uh, decide at that point in time that I should work a little bit less. So I decided I wasn't going to work Fridays anymore. So I I moved to a four day work week after my first mat leave. And then I went back on mat leave. Then we moved out um, of the city. So the commute became a lot longer. So going back to work the second time around was so much harder for me. Mm-hmm. And I just remember we had to pull the kids out of bed and get them to a day home by six in the morning because that way we could yeah. avoid some of the traffic. Yeah. And I would be drinking my go mug of coffee and then I would be refilling that with the thermos that I also brought for the drive to work so that I could just constantly I might as well have had an IV just like <laughs> pump caffeine into me because by the time I got to my office at 7 a.m I was just not in any position to see another human yet I was so <laughs> tired and you know at that stage when the kids are really little too coming home means you know picking them up and trying to get them fed within 30 minutes or else everybody's cranky and it's not a pleasant experience and so overall it was just like the quality time with my family was not happening you know so it makes you really question what you're sacrificing and for what and that that was kind of going on in the back of my mind a little bit about my work but then the real tipping point for me was that my mom passed away Mm -hmm. and that all happened really quite quickly, even though she was, she was sick with cancer for a number of years, Mm -hmm. but you know, kind of the, the, the moment when I realized I need to stop working, I I want to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. It was, it was really honestly quite too late. Like at that point, Mm -hmm. she ended up passing away eight days later. I read that in your um, website and I was like, oh my goodness, that was a huge, she was giving you a message without you realizing it, right? So sad. Totally. Yeah, that, that whole slow down and, and, you know, your priorities come into perspective really quickly after things like that happen and any big change in your life, whether it's becoming a parent or or losing somebody or, or something else external happens to you, you have to reevaluate what's, what's really important here. And, you know, trying to create a a life based on, like, I knew that the kind of work I do in PR is exciting to me. I've, I've liked, I know that it's the right career path, but I wanted to be able to bring that into my own control where I wasn't you know, having to ask permission to leave for an appointment or feeling scared if a kid was sick, like what was I going to do? And then it became, okay, well, if you start your own business, you have all of that. You can be in control. And then I thought, well, who do I want to work with? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and entrepreneurs are, I just looked around my community. We have quite a lot of entrepreneurs and I saw them like, you know, pouring their hearts and souls into what they're doing because you don't start a business really because you think it's going to be easy. No. You start it because it's something that you love and you care about and you want to share with others, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bring all of that together and, and help them with the marketing side of things and creating the brand mm-hmm. so that they could actually see more success by pouring themselves into that passion business that they have. So I think 
that's a good point to to um, dwell on a little bit too is that there are many um, and I don't I don't actually call everybody that's you know in their own business whether it's home-based or office-based an entrepreneur they're, they're not all entrepreneurs they're small business owners and and I, I see the two a little bit differently but in either case when it comes to creating a brand um, for a small business owner or entrepreneur, how do you get someone to uh, hone in on that? You, you, say, you say that you took your big brand experience and bring it to small businesses. And I think that, you know, I'm one of those people that decided because of my um, uh, passion for uh, networking and connecting people and all of the years I did that in face-to-face -face situations that I wanted to make me my brand. So can you speak to how you get to whether you pick a name or whether you, you know, um, brand yourself or is it dependent on what you're doing and so on? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because whenever I work with clients, I work them through what I call my magic brand formula. Okay. And it's three steps. It's identifying who you are, plus who you're for, plus why it matters. So it's really important that the first piece is knowing yourself. Yourself, whether you're going to be your face of your business as a personal brand or what of your own values and personality are going to come through in the way that you showcase and, and execute on your brand if you have a different label for it. And kind of doing that process will help you determine whether you want to be um, yourself, your mm -hmm. name, or a company name, or whatever. And honestly, sometimes it doesn't really matter, especially when we're okay. solo in it. Mm -hmm. it's a lot of your personal values and beliefs and the things that you care about and your personality mm -hmm. are going to be very present in the brand that you are building because it's you. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Like I, I've worked, you know, as a brand ambassador, basically for big companies, and then you have to put on their hat and think, what would they say? How would they do it? And that's like a, a level of translation that you don't need to worry about when you're an entrepreneur, small business owner yourself, because you are the decision maker. You get to decide, you know, if this is in alignment, if you want to say this, what is your tone, all of that. And it comes out of you so much more naturally. Okay. And so like your company, you have used KS communications and that makes sense so that people know what you do and it's a piece of you. So I like that. Yeah. I just went with Janice Porter and associates and that was it. So yeah, no. And honestly, I didn't overthink that very much at all. Um, I was like, KS, that's my initials communication. Right. That's what I do. Um, and at the time, part of it was having a business name felt important to me. It okay. helped me yeah. legitimize what I was doing. And, and I think that's true for a lot of people actually. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, if you want your name to be part of it or not, like there's some long-term things to consider for sure. Like if you think you're building a business that you want to sell, right. putting right. your name into the name of the business is not the best idea because right. the brand equity that you build up is around yourself personally. Mm -hmm. And actually when it comes to valuations and of, of companies and things, they actually downgrade you for that. So yeah. Anyways, we're getting into that. That's cool. That's 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 absolutely fine. Um, so I know that you have um, a uh, 
um, what do they call them? Uh, just a masterclass um, that's coming up, or it may have passed, but it, maybe you have it on an ongoing basis. I'm not sure. Called Three Secrets to Attracting Your Dream Clients Without Spending All of Your Time on Social Media. And I love that. And um, I'm hoping that I can uh, learn something by uh, joining you in that. I know it's, um, it's an intro so people can see how to work, you know, whether they like you, your style, and whether you have what they need. Um, but without giving anything away, uh, too much away, can you just tell me that the, the, uh, a hint to, okay, so how can I do it without all being on social media all the time? Is it that I need to be more organized or that I don't have a plan and I need to have one, you know? Yeah, it's uh, well, without giving too much away because I'm not yeah. explaining what it is. It's that no. a lot of the time people think like it's easy to go to the prognosis to go to the tactical thing that you want to start implementing right to think okay the way i'm going to grow my business is instagram the way i'm going to grow my business is linkedin the way i'm going to grow my business is whatever thing you're implementing but really when you get to trying to use any of those tools you still need to know who your audience is you need to know what your brand is you need to know how to create a message and those are the pieces of the brand like the magic brand formula and um, what i call a brand strategy which is the thing kind of that sits underneath all of the ways that you might actually communicate, market yourself, execute on your brand, all of those tactical, tactical things. Okay. So, um, I, if, if somebody was, um, creating, um, an online course for the very first time, this is me. Um, I'm about to launch uh, a course. It's not ready yet. It'll be ready soon. And it's going to be online and, and purchasable, right? And uh, evergreen and so on. Would you be able to teach me how to launch it properly? Is yeah. that part of what you do? Sure. So those are the steps that come afterwards, right? Yes, of so I, I always kind of say that it's similar to so you go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor, you tell them what they're, there's two ways to go to the doctor. There's one where you go and you tell them what your problems are and they decide what the diagnosis is and they tell you what to do about it. There's the other way where you've already spent all of your time online researching what your problem is. You go to the doctor and then tell them what's wrong with you, <laughs> yeah. right? And how you're going to fix it. And so what was the point of the doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In this case, I'm the doctor on the branding piece. And so when you skip the step of getting the diagnosis, yeah. of creating the strategy. I don't know if this analogy is making sense. <laughs> then you, you go and you start trying to execute on things and you get frustrated. And this is what I see a lot. People yeah. are like, I actually had someone message me the other day. She was like, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I have a podcast. I was like, holy man, like, do you have 20 people working for you? And if not, then let's try and zone that in. And how do we make those choices about where we're going to show up, about where we're going to launch, about how we're going to launch. We make them based on knowing who we are, our brand, who we're for, our ideal clients, so important, right. and what is our message. So how do we actually speak to the pain, the struggle, um, mm -hmm. what's going on with the ideal clients, and also really know what their ambition is so that you can position yourself as the bridge between those things, oh, the like struggle that. bus they're on and the solution that they're looking for. Yeah, I like that, the bridge between. Um, I, I think as small business owners and entrepreneurs, quite often, 
And I know for me, when I'm asked who's your target client or your, your ideal client, I really do struggle with giving that answer because I feel as though I have more than one target audience. Now, is that possible? Is that, is that okay as long as I know what those two or three target audiences are? Maybe they're actually all the same based on the problems they have. Maybe I'm talking and answering myself like going to the doctors, I don't know. Yeah, uh, so we spend a lot of time in my program on ideal clients and it's one thing that I see a lot of pushback on because sure. people don't want to feel like they're neglecting other people because, you know, we're helpful. We want to help as many people as possible. We also want to think that our audience is broad enough that we have a big market for potential income and all of those factors that we're thinking yeah. about, right? But what I know to be true is that the more clear and specific you are about your ideal client the more of them you're going to find and the more confident you are going to be in how you work with them, how you speak to them, your messaging is going to get on point. You're going to be able to really connect with them in a way that like the best case scenario is your, your client shows up on your website or meets you and, and says, she's inside of my head. Like that is exactly what I feel that exactly how I think I need what she's telling me she has. So I totally on the surface, agree and understand with every, everything that you just said. I think probably the problem is I've never really taken the time or the energy to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, think that's probably a lot of people. Yeah. And it's challenging. And I, and I hear this all the time, but it's, I made a funny reel about this today. <laughs> so you should yeah. go on my Instagram and check that out too. Okay. But it's, it's a challenging thing. And, and, you know, we don't want to make a decision about it because we don't want to, you know, pin pigeonhole ourselves or something like that. But what I will say is deciding who your ideal client is, does not mean you can't work with other people. It just means the people you're trying to attract to you are specific. And so if somebody else comes into the fold and says, Hey, but I have this problem. Can you help me? and you say, yes, I can, and you want to, then mm -hmm. go for it. Like keep doing work outside of that. Sure. But when we put our effort into too many places, it's mm -hmm. not going to be as effective. So when you put all of your effort into the one ideal client, and when I'm talking about that, I'm not just saying like, let's get the demographics down because I don't care very much no, about demographics. broader than that then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's their beliefs and their values. And one really cr critical thing that I haven't seen in, and pretty much every single online course that you take is going to have an ideal client component to yes, it. Right? Yes. So I've done I usually a lot. skip over it. Right. Right. <laughs> Some of them are like 19 page journal <laughs> entries that you have to do. And they're like, does she get her hair done or what color are her fingernails? And like, what magazines does she read? And I'm like, mm, do we care? I'm like, what does she believe in? Mm -hmm. That's important for you to recognize. Mm -hmm. What are her values? So if like, time is a really important value right and they want to get time back you know maybe you're you're selling um some kind of like productivity right. Uh, program right so time would be something that they care about a lot frustration with not being able to juggle all of the things like being able to identify those things about your ideal client and then the one thing that is kind of my secret that i ask people is what is their mindset about what you do like, are they already like, do they, do they have any kind of like opposition to what you do, like perception wise, right? So think about, I work with sometimes um, 
holistic medical practitioners okay. or I've worked with mediums um, oh, and cool. things like that, right? Who, who have like, there's people who are like, nope, not into that. Like, I don't believe in that. Yeah. And there's people who do. So yes. you say my ideal client does believe in that. Like, so I'm not actually spending time and effort convincing them that what I do is a good thing. And then also convincing them that I'm the one to help them with it. That's really actually important. And I, I do identify that one of the things that I know I say to, or think of about people that I work with is that they, my uh, podcast is called Relationships Rule. I'm all about relationships and building and the importance of relationships in business. And so if people that I'm talking to as potential clients aren't coming across as caring about the client or the prospect as much as they're caring about themselves, if you know what I mean, then they're not my client. And that's, that is a very clear point for you. That's probably the only clear point for me, but um, I think that's what you're talking about, right? That, yeah, the values need to align in the first place. And so, um, yeah, that's really important. I get that. So, yeah. So what you're saying is like, that what they care about is being sort of service oriented, being creating relationships. And then they have like a level of trust in the fact that building that relationship could potentially lead them to a client to the income that they're looking for, but they're not treating the person like a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. That's a cool way of putting it. I like that. Yeah. So I'm going to shift gears for a minute. And um, because this is an example and people know that, you know, um, my training, I teach people how to use LinkedIn and whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's somebody's website that I see this. And I think I saw this on your LinkedIn and I want to, I would like to use it if you don't mind as an example, because um, sometimes we find the strangest uh, or uh, most uh, out of the out of the pocket thing on your LinkedIn profile that doesn't really attend, it doesn't really look on the surface that it has meaning to anything that you do, but it probably does. But also it's a starting point for a conversation that may not have happened. You didn't know how to get in to talk to that person in the first place, unless you saw this one thing that just jumped out. And for me, it was on your LinkedIn profile. It was that you spent, I think it was four years um, working on the 100th anniversary of the 4-H program or club or whatever in Alberta. And I am not a farm girl. I am the farthest thing. I'm a city mouse. And for me, that was a curiosity piece, that 4-H piece, very Alberta. You're from Alberta. I'm from BC. We don't do those things here unless we live in the valley. Um, And I know that you were um, the, was it PR or you did all the branding and the marketing for that event? That's huge. I'm sure it was huge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was the chair for the marketing committee for the 100th anniversary. And yes. It's been about four years prepping it. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, that was impressive. But more importantly, it was like, wow, you've got two little girls. Are you a farm girl? Are you going to teach your kids about the cow, you know, that that milk comes from the cow out in the field as opposed to the store that you buy it at? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a different perspective. And I just thought I wanted to ask you that. That's hilarious. Yes. Well, I will do my my job as a 4-H 
alumni to debunk the myth that it's only for rural um, okay. people because it's okay, not. Good. Lots of clubs and it's really, it's a youth development program that I fell in love with as a kid. Sure, I was in um, a livestock program where I had a steer and I raised it for the whole year and I sold it at the end of the year. But the whole point is it teaches you how responsibility, how to create a project, um, budget management, because I had to pay for feed and I had to pay for halters and combs and go to shows and get up in the morning and muck out stalls and do all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so, but part of that program, and actually I think it, it's really a seed to what I do with my life is there's a public speaking component and every year there would be a public speaking competition. And I was like, this is the best. As a nine-year-old, I got up in front of a room of people and they all had to listen to me for five whole minutes. And I thought, amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now awesome. I just give myself stages and I get on platforms like this all the time as much as possible. But it's really because I, I grew that love in 4-H and I learned that through the 4-H program. And so, yes, I do want my kids to be part of this program in some way or another, whether it's rural, whether it's um, through like a multi-club, I probably will end up starting a 4-H club at some point. It's actually a club for kids age nine and up for the most part. So my kids aren't quite at that age right. yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's really important to the fabric of who I am. So that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And I hope you didn't mind me asking, but for me, that was a two-pronged thing. I'm a curious person. I love to know those kinds of out of the way things. It's important to have those things on your LinkedIn profile because you never know. You just never know with yeah. that becomes the bond where somebody reaches out to you. And the reason they did is because they were a 4-H kid too, right? I've, I've had it happen so many times. Absolutely. It's, it's a resume builder. It's a conversation piece. I had a, I was hiring recently through the volunteer job I do with the Chamber of Commerce. And we had a connection there that was connected through 4-H. So it is, it is a big. Yeah, so I think it's network. an important tool to, to look at in more ways than one, for sure. Now you, um, oh, I missed saying this when we were talking about um, your target client, but you had a, a quote on your uh, website that I absolutely love by Marie Forleo. If you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one. And that I think sums up that whole thing about uh, your target client. And uh, she's great. And uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, the, the real point there is that if somebody comes to your website and they don't know immediately in five seconds what you do or who you're for, they're leaving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you need something that makes that connection really clear. And then the ones that that's not for, they can leave. And that's great because you don't need them. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, so two questions I, I need to ask you. The first one is I just mentioned that I'm a curious person. I think you are too. What are you curious about? What am I curious about? Right now, I'm super curious about um, personality assessment. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Cool. I've, I've been one? exploring Enneagram quite a lot. Oh, yes. Okay. And I'm loving it as a tool for, you know, self-awareness to mm -hmm. kind of give you something to reflect upon and, and thinking about how what attributes of my own I can see that are, you know, well-researched. There's nine, right? There's nine yeah. personnel. Yeah. I took a course one twice actually uh, called your sacred gifts and the woman that teaches it 
it's, there's 24 sacred gifts and it's kind of the Enneagram thing goes along with it. I never really got into that part of it, but um, the sacred gifts are interesting too, because um, everyone has three or four of them. Um, but for me, it helped me um, accept and go, oh yeah, that's totally who I am. Like I have a gift of teaching. I have a gift of um, learning and so on. And so when you know your gifts, it's, it makes sense. Encouragement, that's another one. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but Enneagram, so have you done the, um, what's the, the Myers-Briggs? Have you done that one? Yeah, I did Myers-Briggs. That one I did like as part of a leadership training or something back in the corporate days. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I've done true colors. And now I've also done a human design map, which is like a very much more like spiritual, like it's not scientific. It's like based on when you were born, the date, time, year, all of it, like where the moons were and all of this stuff that like comes to you. But it was crazy because we had like somebody actually read our personal maps and tell us things about us uh, that were just so spot on and even though it was like something I had thought about deep down when when I heard it come out of somebody else it's almost like permission to go and use this you know sacred gift this this thing you have more wow interesting um there's another one that I started to look into bank code I haven't heard that one. That's, that's your, there's four colors and they're the different personality types called bank code, B-A-N-K. And those stand for the different things. But again, yeah, so there's lots of them out there. It's kind of, but that's good. That's good to know. Um, And the the last question that I want to ask you is if you um, had one piece of, of advice to share with my audience that has helped you in business, what would it be? Or what is it? It's, it's to just ask if there's something that you are thinking about, there's somebody who you want to reach out to just ask. I had this happen in, uh, earlier in the fall, I was following, um, like a big influencer on Instagram and I'd been like, you know, communicating with her a little bit in the DMS, just sort of saying like, thanks for sharing this or whatever. And then I was posting a summit and I thought, I'm going to ask her to speak. Mm-hmm. And I know that she gets paid thousands of dollars to speak. Yeah. So it was like, this is crazy. Like she could say no to me, but then I thought, well, if she says no, I won't have her. If I don't ask, I won't have her. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah. But she said yes. Awesome. And so I got to do this amazing interview with her on my summit. And I just got so much momentum from that. The act of asking, yes. it was taking action. It was putting yourself out there, being Confident brave, yeah. all of those things. And it, it just, it started a huge snowball moving forward after that. And just out of curiosity, um, well, again, because I'm, yeah, just out of curiosity, um, why do you think she said yes? Because um, she's heart driven? Um, or was there something that she saw for her? Or, um, and or did she um, uh, spread the word about your summit? So actually, I think I'll tie this back into what you preach around relationships. And this is why she said yes. She said yes, because 
I was already building a relationship and because I actually did a video to request it. So I was very personable in, in the request. It wasn't cold. It was like, I'd already been sharing some of her stuff. And because I knew who she was and what she stood for, that she actually had an event called pays to be brave. So I was exemplifying her mission in what I was doing. And I also tied it back to that. So she so, knew that you were a follower and that you yeah. paid attention to her in details and you spoke to her in a way that, yeah. that resonated. Love it. And the fact that you did the video because um, texts and DMs, they just don't have any emotion. Yeah. Oh, got to use the audio. That's like yes. my, if that's my second biggest tip. Use audio messaging for everything because this is why I don't like email because there's so much tone that gets misinterpreted but if you send an audio message to somebody your tone goes with it right and I don't know about um Instagram because it's not my home I don't live there I live on LinkedIn you can do video messaging now which Perfect. is really cool yeah yeah so do that. <laughs> I can tell we could talk for hours and I so appreciated the time that you spent with us where can my audience find you and is there any one last thing you want to share with them that you know this probably won't air for a couple of weeks um, so I'm going to encourage them to go to your website, see what you have to offer. I will put that in the show notes. Is there anything else that they should know? Yeah, you bet. So I, I, yeah, going to my website would be the best bet for most things. Um, depending on when this airs, the doors may or may not be open to my program brand message mastery. If you missed it, you can get on the wait list. Um, for next time, I open the doors a few times a year. So that's my signature program. And uh, so you can find me at ks-communications.ca mm -hmm. and mostly on Instagram at ks underscore comms. Okay. But I also hang out on Facebook and I'm starting more on LinkedIn because you reminded me of the power of that, Janet. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Yes, we need to talk uh, <laughs> offline. <laughs> Um, so thank you again, Kelly. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And to my audience, please, if you enjoyed this uh, episode, let us know. Send Kelly some uh, comments and leave a review. Always love that. And thank you, everybody. And remember to stay connected and be remembered. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If this show has inspired you to reach out to connect to someone new or nurture a current or past relationship, and you think that others can benefit from listening, please share this episode. If you have feedback or questions about the episode, please leave a note in the comment sections below. If you would like to receive automatic updates of new podcast episodes, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or from the podcast app on your mobile device. Ratings and reviews from my listeners are extremely valuable to me and greatly appreciated. They help the podcast rank higher on iTunes, which exposes my show to more awesome listeners like you. So if you have a minute, please leave an honest review on iTunes. And remember to stay connected and be remembered.